it's too easy to be a non-ADD partner and say, well, it's all your fault because you have ADD. And it's too easy to be an ADD partner and say, oh, well, it's not my fault because you're really angry at me. It's just trying to make them feel realize that anger is a short term, you know, when you force somebody to do something or you belittle them into doing something or yell at them or whatever, you're winning the battle and losing the war, essentially, because they don't want to deal with you anymore after that. <laughs> ADHD Rewired, episode number 59. This is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and consultant. We know that starting can be the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me thank our sponsors. Do you need an easy way to connect with people virtually, but don't want to be hassled by downloads that don't work, connections that are complicated? Go to erictivers.com slash Zoom and check out truly what I think is a revolutionarily easy to use video conferencing platform. That's erictivers.com slash Zoom. Support for this podcast comes from Audible. For a free audiobook download, go to erictivers.com slash audible for a link for that free download and for some hand-picked recommendations. Go to erictivers.com slash audible for your free audiobook download. You've heard me tell you so many times at the start of each episode that starting is the hardest part. Well, I'm writing an ebook and I'm just getting started, but I really want your help with it first. So go to erictivers.com slash ebook to fill out a really fast survey. And I'm going to reward you by entering you into a raffle to win the ADHD rewired mystery box of awesomeness. It's such a mystery. I don't even know what's going to be in it yet but I'm going to put in some cool things. I do have some ideas. Go to erictivers.com slash ebook. Thanks. Hey, everybody. I just got off the call with Melissa Orlove, and it was truly it was an extraordinarily fun, um, engaging, and, uh, and I actually learned a lot uh, from uh, our conversation. So um, I'm recording this right after the interview. I don't normally do that because I don't want to forget uh, the things that I wanted to, to tell you. So um, at the toward the end of the interview, um, she talks a little bit about a course that, that uh, is coming up starting May 5th. And she gives a, a promo code for $25 off her, her course. Um, and she did tell me that she's not giving this to anybody else. It's not available anywhere else. Um, so you be the judge for yourself. If you think that the things that she said on, uh, during our discussion, uh, will be worth you know, learning more about, I would encourage you to sign up for her course. Um, but I'm going to let this conversation speak for itself now. My interview with Melissa Orlov. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of ADHD Rewired. I am very excited today. My guest joining me in the virtual ADHD Rewired studios is Melissa Orlov. Melissa is the author of the award-winning book, The ADHD Effect on Marriage, which came out in 2010, and The Couple's Guide to Thriving with ADHD, uh, which was released last year in 2014, who you co-wrote with Nancy 
Kohlenberger. She is considered one of the foremost authorities on ADHD and relationships. A marriage consultant, Melissa helps ADHD-affected couples from around the world rebalance their relationships and learn to thrive with counseling and seminars given by phone. She also teaches marriage counselors and other professionals about effective marriage therapy for couples impacted by ADHD. She has been interviewed by the New York Times, CNN, Today, and now you could add to your list ADHD Rewired. <laughs> and she has, has presented on many other topics really in the realm of ADHD and adult relationships. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm delighted to be here. Now, your, your 2014 book, did I pronounce uh, your, your the co-author correctly? Yes, you did. <laughs> She'll be happy to hear that. <laughs> I'm sure that's one that gets uh, botched often. <laughs> so um well i'm just i'm thrilled to have you on so thank you again for for coming on and you know in my adhd rewired facebook community and in my coaching groups uh um the issues of relationships have really been uh frequently discussed and it's been really a really hot issue lately um in just the, the realm of it's challenging that a lot of uh, people i'm seeing are, are having some of the same challenges uh, in regards to either the partner not understanding uh you know the, the partner with adhd or the um and often when we see is the, the parentified child and uh <laughs> <laughs> should answer it. No, I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> it's like the Massachusetts Police Department or somebody calling for a donation. <laughs> this is a cursed question. Can I just say? <laughs> you know, I sort of think we should just go with it and we'll keep it in. Um, so we did just pause a moment ago because there was a notification that, that went off. And um, we're just going to go with it. So hopefully, okay. uh, you know, this, that's muted. You know, there'll probably be some other notifications notification um <laughs> let's talk about relationships and ADHD okay let's do it <laughs> <laughs> all right so where do you, where would you like to start you well, want to start with uh, with the problems you're hearing or yeah um or maybe we can even start with you know what are what are some of the the, the issues that you see most often because this is I mean this is what you're doing on a daily basis across the country talking to people about this yeah so, so well, yeah so the reason that I'm talking to people about it is because there's so much struggle uh, in this area. Most couples, the vast majority of couples did not know they had ADHD when they entered their partnership. And so this is sort of a new thing for them trying to figure it out. And they spent sometimes many years with undiagnosed ADHD, not knowing what it was. And so there's, among other things, a lot of misinterpretations of what ADHD symptoms are, mm -hmm. you know, distractibility. Uh, as a symptom uh, comes across to a partner as, well, gee, you're not paying attention to me, therefore you don't love me or care mm -hmm. for me, which, you know, very far from the truth usually, um, but easy to misinterpret. So they're, they're not loving or caring for, what, what else do you hear? Um, well, so the, I think one of the singly most difficult uh, challenges for these couples, uh, even after they know about the ADHD, is an imbalance of power that develops in the relationship. So I call it parent-child dynamics because very often the non-ADD partner becomes a sort of a, a disciplinarian, a, a parental figure in sort of the bad side of how you think of parenting, yeah. um, while the ADHD partner becomes 
uh, sort of uh, without power becomes somebody who's taking orders or who's being bossed around or or who isn't appreciated or who's being told how to do things better all the time. Mm-hmm. And not all the time, but but much of the time. And it's a, a really, really uh, disastrous uh, kind of relationship. It just ends up being very unhappy for everybody. And I I suspect when your people are talking about how my partner doesn't understand or you know what it's like to be ADHD or you know, we're constantly fighting those kinds of things, that's some of what's probably going on. And I, you know, I will often hear too of uh, of um, people who have ADHD and talk about the their kind of partner choice and how they, in a lot of ways they got. They found someone who was very, in a sense, sort of complementary towards their skill sets. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, like with, with my wife, she's a detail-oriented p- uh, person. I'm the big picture person. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like she starts telling me stuff and she's putting, you know, parentheses in her parentheses as she describes stuff to me in, like, great detail. <laughs> and it's just like, time out. <laughs> What's the main thing you want me to know right now? And it's – so, yeah, I mean, it's it's l- looking at that that it's not necessarily the – um, I guess the way I look at it is understanding that we each have our own uh, strengths and challenges and that um, how to kind of navigate the, um, you said the, the balance of power. Um, mm-hmm. How do you navigate the, the maybe the imbalance of, of tasks without it being such a power dynamic? Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting question and it's also an interesting way to phrase it because um, one of the very real issues on the tasks is whether or not the ADHD partner um, follows through on the tasks mm-hmm. um, and which ones that the, that person decides to take on. So one of the problems with the parent-child dynamics is that the parent person is sort of in charge of figuring out who's going to do what. And that isn't as uh, efficient, actually, as having the two people sit down and figure out, well, what do I do best? What do I enjoy doing? What am I going to stay involved with um, and be interested in enough? Um, and, and of course, then you'll hear the non-ADD partner saying, well, that means that I get to do all the junk, you know, and you get to do all the fun stuff. Well, um, that may be, but there are ways to, to balance it out. Um, and what, what are some, give us some, maybe a couple examples, uh, maybe a, a client that you're working with that, uh, or, or this, what you're seeing this kind of imbalance of of, um, of of work, and how how are you kind of helping <laughs> navigate it? Well, I mean, I see it. Uh, I see it everywhere. We, I mean, I'll give you my own example so that I don't have necessarily talk about my clients. But um, in our household, my husband and I are uh, have wildly different approaches to things as well as very, very different skill sets. Mm -hmm. And um, so he's very good, extremely good, in fact, does for a living um, technology stuff. And of course, I can't even figure out how to turn off my notifications, right? I mean, this is (laughs) (laughs) totally opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Um, So he does all the technology stuff around the house. Mm -hmm. And that's something that uh, maybe I didn't used to think of as much as a like a chore or a task. And now as I've started to really appreciate how much time and energy goes into that, um, I realize what a great comp- contribution it is. It's not just around the house. He runs my website for mm-hmm. me, which is a huge job. Huge. Absolutely. And, and, I'm, and yeah. I'm listening now, now, you don't have ADHD, but your right. husband does. Is right. that correct? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so now, tell us a little bit about other stuff. 
tell us a little bit about um you know as, as you're sharing with with uh the listeners you know about the the intimate secrets of you and your husband um <laughs> how, how, how did you kind of get into this you know what what what's really sparked your interest in this besides that you just saw this was a, as a problem yeah it sparked an interest in my husband or sparked an interest in in how to set up the chores yes all of the above right okay. <laughs> So, so, you know, when I met my husband, he was quite different from other people that I had met before and a really interesting guy in part because his mind moves so fast. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really, uh, you know, really interesting to me. And I think he liked my sort of outward approach and my, um, you know, I was pretty organized and, and had, you know, some interesting ways. Uh, of thinking big picture and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we complement, just as you say, we complement each other. Um, we, we have some things certainly that we share, but a lot of things where we're quite different. And I find that very interesting. Um, you know, I think that there's an energy that's created um, and it, it, so couples find it, it's either a very positive energy that's created by the friction between your differences mm-hmm. or sometimes when you get totally caught up in your underwear uh, as you tend to do when you have young children and there are all these things to balance and juggle and et cetera, um, then it becomes um, not such good friction, <laughs> but as, as I've written about. Um, but it's very exciting to be with somebody who's that different. So then when we go to do our, our house stuff, um, in my situation, and this is not what everybody does, um, we have reverted to some degree where I have a fairly traditional uh, take. I, I work, obviously, but I also have been the person who's been the most flexible with taking care of kids and taking care of the houses and, and things that we have to worry about. And um, and my husband has pretty much stayed uh, within the realms of the things that he does really well. Okay. Um, so, um, and, and I used to, I don't anymore, I used to push him to try to pick up some things that he didn't really want to do, mostly wasn't interested in it. It wasn't a matter of whether he was capable of it. He just had zero interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finally decided that wasn't worth my effort um, and that that was harder on the relationship than the benefit that I got out of it. <laughs> sort of so, the there was, so there was, you know, there, there was conflict in that area, right? Mm-hmm. And then he decided to take this kind of step back and, and focus on what was, was working. Is that, Yeah. So you focus on what each person does well. You look at their strengths and you try to, to, um, I mean, among other things, he's always, for example, been doing the technology. I have not always appreciated that as Mm -hmm. a contribution. Mm -hmm. And I run into this with my clients fairly often where, where uh, one partner will be doing something on a regular basis that the other partner, it's almost invisible to Mm -hmm. the other partner because they're so into, you know, when we had young kids, I was into, uh, who's cooking dinner, who's doing the dishes, who's cleaning up after the kids. I wasn't paying attention to the other stuff um, that he was doing. So it's good good to keep your eyes open broadly. Um, that helps. So how, you know, as far as, um, you know, when, when people come to you and they, they you work with them, they're typically not in a state of wedded bliss. Um, they're, they're struggling. They're, they're in yeah. they're you know, they have conflict. And um, I know that you talked about um, this three-part model of conflict um, where you talked about conflict in self, um, um, 
talk to me a little bit about about that what we talked about on uh, a few days ago yeah so that's actually a three-part model of intimacy intimacy okay uh, but I, was trying to, I, was trying, I was looking over my notes and like wait that doesn't quite make sense as i'm saying this out loud now but, <laughs> yeah uh, no it would be interesting actually to have to try a three-part model of conflict too but no uh so this is a so this is a new area for me um is this area of recovering intimacy. Hmm. And uh, in part, this is growing out of my work. I do this couples seminar uh, about how ADHD impacts couples and try to really help couples move rather dramatically out of their dysfunction when they come to me. Typically, they're really, truly struggling um, to a place where they have much more hope for the future and they have some tools that they can use, etc. When they finish that, that's an eight-week phone seminar, when they finish that, lots of times they said, gee, we'd really like to continue to work with you and what else would be appropriate. And I started thinking about this topic of intimacy because that's really the end point, right? Everybody, mm-hmm. that's what people want. They want to feel more intimate. So, um, so I started doing research on best ways to think through that and teach it uh, and came across this three-part model of, of intimacy, which is uh, the first part is self-intimacy the second part is conflict intimacy, and the third is affection intimacy. Okay. So do you want me to, I can describe those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would love that. Okay. The, so the self-intimacy is all about getting to know yourself um, well enough so that, A, you can address your own issues because you can identify mm-hmm. them better, um, being able to verbalize it, and also being able to tell your partner about what your deeper feelings are, not your superficial feelings, but the mm-hmm. deeper ones so that you can work through them. The second is... Uh, Can I ask you a yeah. question about that? Uh-huh. Is, yeah. is there a difference between uh, that you see between self-intimacy and just self-awareness? Um, well, I think self-awareness is certainly part of self-intimacy. Mm-hmm. Probably they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the issue with self-intimacy is, is also becoming... Um, comfortable with it. Okay. Yeah. Like an acceptance of it. Yeah. Okay. And being able to also share it. So you can be very self-aware and still not share that with your partner. Mm-hmm. If the objective is to be intimate with someone else also, then you need to be able to verbalize it to a partner uh, or share it with a partner in mm. a way that they um, understand you better. Okay. Okay. No, that makes that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then the second part is conflict. Right. So conflict intimacy is actually where uh, most of the people who come to me are stuck. Uh, They can't move through their conflict in a way that still makes them feel good about each other and Mm -hmm. feel close to each other. Um, And in fact, that's pretty common. That's where most couples who have trouble are stuck there. Um, So so that the idea there is to get uh, a process in place that allows you to um, resolve to hear your partner more clearly um, and to be able to uh, resolve things in a way, or at least address things, because lots of things are not resolvable, mm-hmm. but address them in a way that um, uh, makes it uh, so that you feel closer to each other, even as you struggle sometimes. Okay. So, and then the third area is what people think of when they think of its intimacy, which is all the affection stuff. How do mm-hmm. you show your affection? How, do, does your partner hear it? Uh, you know, five love languages, uh, what's your sex life look like, all of that stuff is all in that affection intimacy area. okay now you said that um you know often couples come to you with, with in conflict and you mentioned that some of these areas of conflict are, are not resolvable um how do you help couples kind of navigate through that well so actually the majority of uh, problems that people have 
can't remember who did the research, but there is research out there that suggests that 70% of conflicts that couples have, mm-hmm. um, they will always have. They're not resolvable. They come inherently from who these people are and how they're different in the world. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so what that means is when you figure out that you're in one of those, rather than continuing to say to yourself, if I just explain it better, my partner will, of course, come to my, you know, go mm-hmm. agree with me. If you can just get past that stage and go, okay, so I guess it's time for a workaround, mm-hmm. um, then um, then you can st- start to um, do you know move move forward again. So it sounds like almost the it's kind of that that kind of cognitive behavioral uh, um, therapy like one on one concept. If you, as you know, if you can't change it, you got to change how you think about it. Change how you think about it and also change what you do with it, right? I mean, so if you say to yourself, okay, we're going to agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. That's one example, very common one, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so therefore let it go. That's one workaround. It's not the only one, but Mm -hmm. that's one workaround to acknowledging that this thing is not resolvable, whatever it is. Um, There are others where you say, okay, um, I understand that um, this is something that you're never, ever going to be interested in. And so our workaround is, uh, you know, you'll do it once a year and I'll do it eight times a year or mm-hmm. whatever it is. You don't have to get to that, you know, happy place that you were hoping your partner would say, oh, yes, I'm going to trippingly go and do the dishes for you all the time or whatever the thing mm-hmm. is. For. So uh, so there are lots of different ways to do workarounds. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um what about uh, how often and is there a difference between um, when when you're working with with couples where the couple kind of knew that one of the couple one of the people had ADHD going in versus this kind of later in life discovery of it? How do you? Um, how do you I said I see that, that now. I, I get contacted by people who are engaged um, to somebody with ADHD, or actually by both of them. Um, and what I see is there's more awareness now that ADHD is there. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's full awareness of what it potentially means to the couple. Mm-hmm. Um, though what I try to tell those couples is that you should become aware of what these common patterns are so that if you start to see them in your relationship, you can immediately take action before they take root. Uh, so the parent-child thing is there. I would focus a lot of time with those couples to say, hey, don't get into this pattern. Don't start to take on your partner's stuff uh, because it won't work for you if you do. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, they didn't see you when they should have and then they, uh, <laughs> you know, that they, you know, it's everything's a mess when they're kind of, when they're coming to you. Um, where do you go from there? Because I, I feel that, that sometimes, you know, I, I work with couples too and it's, you know, a lot of this is just the, you get into this, um, um, slinging of of uh, just hurtful things, and it's just like this tit for tat kind of. Where it's you know, how do you? What do you recommend? How do you help uh, couples kind of break that cycle? Well, I mean, the first thing they have to understand is is uh, that this is not a personal thing. This has to do specifically with the presence of the symptoms and with their responses to those symptoms, um, and. And then I try to teach them. And this is the purpose of the course. The course is set up to take people who are really struggling and trying to get them to um, um, think about this in a completely new way, be reintroduced to each other as, as people who are much more different than they thought they were. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and this is, your, this is your recovering intimacy course. Uh, this is the ADHD effect in depth. I have two courses. Okay. So that's the first one. The recovering intimacy course is more for people who are, uh, who are, who have gotten through some of the basic, you know, what the heck is going on kinds of questions and who are sort of in a holding pattern and trying to figure out how to get closer, but they've at least started to deal with the ADHD stuff. Okay. So, um, you know, so there are a lot of tools that people can use different conversational techniques, different, I, you know, chore techniques. I often will suggest that people work with a coach, Mm -hmm. uh, to try to work through the ADHD, uh, um, developing some of the skills, the external structures that are needed to really support them. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of work on empathy and how do you really understand what it feels like to have ADHD if you yourself don't have it. Mm. Um, and that's really important. And I think that's, that's off the, probably one of the, the more frequently um, uh, heard themes that I see in my, my online community is how do we get the partner to understand it? Um, so maybe, uh, you have a, a tip that you can, uh, well, I actually wrote a blog post on it, which a lot of people have commented on. So I write among other things for psychology mm-hmm. And if they go to the psychology today and type in what it feels like to have ADHD, um, you'll get to this blog post and a lot of people have added their stories to it. So you get a pretty broad array of people talking about their experiences. So that's a good resource. Is there a, can you, um, can you remember uh, maybe a, a, a tip that, that from that blog post that maybe you can share with our listeners? Uh, well, that one was just to try to expose it so people could get more of a sense of it. Um, but I mean, it, it, you know, people will describe their brains as being very fast um, as being um, not particularly well organized, as having lots going on, sort of being non-hierarchical uh, and, um, you know, not necessarily planning steps out very easily. It depends on who the person is, if people experience it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for those who don't have ADHD, uh, I just say don't make any assumptions. Your partner is not at all like you in terms of how they think, how they experience things. You guys do the same exact thing, and you will experience it completely differently if for no other reason than that your brain takes in the information differently and does something different with it. Mm-hmm. So. Now, when um, let me ask you about you and your husband, if I, if I may again. Mm-hmm. Um, did you always, like, understand the ADHD was there was there a, a point or a, a something that that for you kind of made a light bulb go on where it was like oh he's this isn't personal or <laughs> uh we did not know about it we were just you know I, I like to joke that we were completely and totally average you know <laughs> so my daughter actually has ADHD and she um uh, we found out about it when she was in third grade and uh, we still didn't figure out that my husband had it for quite a number of years after that. And it still took a couple of years after that to figure out that it was actually impacting our relationship. So it's been a very mm. slow progression mm. um, for us and I think for many, for many folks. Um, but the, the aha moment was one of these sort of, um, I, looked, I went to my daughter's doctor and I said, mm, is it possible that my husband also has this? You know? <laughs> and then... She said, well, yeah, of course. And I thought, why didn't anybody tell me this? You know, <laughs> of course he has it. So anyway, um, you know, but it takes, it just knowing that you have a name for it mm-hmm. does not, uh, doesn't really start to solve the problem. The problem is when you start to say, gee, it has an impact um, and an important one that needs to be addressed by both people. So it's too easy 
to be a non-ADD partner and say, well, it's all your fault because you have ADD. And it's too easy to be an ADD partner and say, oh, well, it's not my fault because you're really angry at me. Um, so. And, and that, that anger can be so, so toxic if it's not dealt with. It's incredibly toxic. And there's anger on both sides. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not just the non-ADD people, but, mm -hmm. um, but it is toxic. And, and I, one of the things I say to non-ADD partners is, look, you know, the angrier you are, um, the less voice you have in how this gets fixed because nobody wants to deal with you, essentially. Oh, I like um, that. partner like wants that. to avoid you. So it's giving that person the, the almost empowering through trying to understand it. It's just trying to make them feel realize that anger is a short-term, you know, when you force somebody to do something or you belittle them into mm -hmm. doing something or yell mm -hmm. at them or whatever, you're winning the battle and losing the war, essentially. Because they don't want to deal with you anymore after that. <laughs> right, then, no, no one likes to get yelled at. I mean, and then it's... they can't understand why their partner doesn't want to interact with them. And I was the same way. You know, I just thought, oh, well, you should be fixing this. And my partner was like, well, you should be treating me better. You know, and, <laughs> right. So, Melissa, what I want to do right now is uh, take a quick break um, to, to thank our sponsors. But then we, when we come back, I have some questions that I want to, uh, to ask you from some members of our community. So we'll be right back. Go to audibletrial.com slash ADHD rewired for your free audiobook download. Get a Zoom room. Go to erictivers.com slash Zoom. I use Zoom video conferencing for the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group. Zoom makes video conferencing fun and easy. Share your screen, collaborate with a whiteboard, record the audio and video. It's ADHD friendly. Go free or go pro, but go to erictivers.com slash Zoom so they know that I sent you. That's erictivers.com slash Zoom. <laughs> Okay, we are back. Um, so I wanted to go and um, kind of getting into Facebook here because uh, I, I let people know that you were going to be a guest on the show and people were very excited. Um, um, there was nobody that said they didn't like you, so I just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're glad they don't like me. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I once heard someone say that if you don't have at least, you know, one person out there saying how awful you are, then you're not making a big enough impact. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but nobody, well, they're now saying that, then maybe you're not making a big enough impact. Because <laughs> everything people said on here is really, you yeah, know, nice. <laughs> I, I have many, I've helped many, many people. I don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so let's see. One of the members of my group, um, she says, uh, I'm just going to read it. All right. Okay. She has a, a question or two that feel very personal. Uh she said, I will try to generalize it. How do you fulfill the, uh, quotes, need for being spontaneous and keeping it exciting with sex, with constraints around time, the to-do list in the head, uh, and needing medication first to make it 
able to happen. Um, also, how do you find time, energy, being present and totally into it? Um, all right, so let's kind of break that break that down. So um, the the she wants the secret of life. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and your your uh, and your answer is yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so I took a little notes here. That's why I was looking off to the side just so I could remember this. Okay, so need for spontaneity and and sex and time. Actually, I I would put all that together. Um, so uh, one trick that you can do is you can create a block of time that you schedule into your life where you don't schedule what it's going to be for. Um, but you have it set aside so that it can't be encroached upon by all of the other things that are going on in your life. Um, and my husband and I used to do this actually, where we would do Saturday afternoons and go down to Boston and, and, you know, open the computer and say, what's happening today? What do we feel like doing? Mm -hmm. And so it addresses the, the need to block out time and to plan ahead for the non-ADD partner and addresses the spontaneity for both of them to go have some fun. You could do that with sex as well. So you could, you could block off some time, which is relatively good for you. You know, let's say you've got one person who's a morning person, one person who's a night person. That's pretty common. Uh, maybe it's an, it, maybe it's a weekend time or whatever, where you have a couple of hours, uh, maybe three, whatever you want to do something fun that would also include the possibility of sex. Um, and, and maybe sex where you're paying more attention to each other. That addresses the issue of what do you do about taking medication if you need to take medication ahead of time because mm -hmm. uh, you know it's coming at a certain time. You just don't know what's coming. <laughs> and that's okay. That's the fun part, right? You don't have to know about that. Um, so, so that might be um, one approach. I mean, I think when you leave, uh, leave things, unless you've got a time of day when you're particularly good together. I mean, mm -hmm. for older couples, for example, uh, mornings, first thing in the morning can be very good for men because it's a very high testosterone time for mm -hmm. men, many men. Uh, unless you have a certain time like that, it's, it's good to set aside. You know, it um, made me kind of think about, so, um, you know, my, my wife and I, we have a, a three and a half year old. Um, so, uh, when we do get out for date night, it's, we, we <laughs> it's a joy, you know, yeah. but, um, one of the things that, uh, about a year ago, we kind of like, realized that, so we went to go see, um, uh, I'm trying to remember what we saw, went to go see, we, we have season ticket, uh, season tickets to the theater and we went to see show girl. No, that's. I was confused, like one of the names of the plays between like that that one like NC seventeen movie and the the one that's about um, is it Showgirls? Well, there is a play called Showgirls. Maybe that is the the one that we were seeing. Yeah. And so you know, I I made some off candid remark that my wife didn't really appreciate, and so now it's like seven o'clock. We're about to go see the show. We were we were. You know, up until that point, having a really nice time. And, you know, at this point, my meds have already worn off. And mm. so, you know, and I know that my wife doesn't like, you know, when I say things that were probably more suited to saying around my guy friends. Um, and I dug in and it's like to defending my, you know, this thing that I really shouldn't have, have said. And then we kind of realized later on that the last date night we had, we had a kind of a similar thing that happened. And then we realized that, um, I think this is around the time that I made a sort of a medication change. I wasn't taking my afternoon uh, or my evening dose. And so we realized that for, <laughs> when we go on date night, I need to take my meds for date night. And, hold on um, just a second. Hello. This is, hold on. This is my husband right here. How are That's you? It. 
he, <laughs> he can't hear you because you're on my headphones. He says, how are you? Anyway, he's, well, I've got to run. he's about to run for a meeting out of town. But <laughs> how, so how appropriate the, the uh, random uh, uh, kiss from the husband while we're talking about intimacy. <laughs> on his way out. I know exactly. While you're talking about sex, you know, what can you do? Um, so so it, was, uh, it was a good lesson learned. It was like, oh, you know, I so I, I know it's sort of that underlying almost like oppositional piece that it's like that yeah. I, I got argumentative and defensive about something where I'm like, why? It wasn't worth it. And well, so n- not only that, I mean, so you have a medication wear off issue there. But the other thing you may have going on there is that when you have relatively few opportunities to have date nights, they feel big. Right. And you get your hopes all caught up in them, right? And yes. so then if there's any little disagreement, it feels worse. It, it, that's one reason to do it on a regular basis. If you have one every week, for example, then it's then it's something to look forward to, but it doesn't become like the be-all and end-all monthly, oh my gosh, kind of a thing. So, um, so you asked another question. I'll go back to where we were. Um, which was that had to do your person was talking about how to be present. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and uh, you know, there are sort of two different ways to be present. One is, is sort of in the everyday. And I'm a big believer in mindfulness training, actually, to be able to, to learn to teach yourself to be more present in a sort of everyday setting. And I think in the, in the sexual realm, um, one of the ways to be more present is to let go of a lot of the extra, uh, sort of junk that people put around their sex life about what it means or whatever, and try very hard to just think about um, sex as a way for the two of you to have fun together. There's so many things in life that are um, uh, hard and time-consuming and exhausting. And if you can just say, you know what, this is a, a, a moment in time where we're just going to have some fun together, that can, can really uh, make it uh, better and easier to stay in the moment as a result because mm, you're not mm. your mind isn't going off to all the other things about what does this mean does it mean he's not mad at me does it mean she is mad at me does it mean you know uh, why is she not being uh, a certain way all this stuff that yes. goes on and you just want like okay you know get rid of it and just yes. let's, let's try something fun <laughs> i like it i like it yeah. um another another member of the uh my community asks um, is it common for the children of a toxic marriage to remain single for longer than usual? Uh, she goes on to say oh. that her her uh, parents' marriage has, in quotes, endured, being the keyword, uh, endured 53 years. Um, for most of them, it has been a toxic cesspool. Um, mm. uh, that's 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 a powerful question. Um, yeah. And so I don't actually know the answer to that statistically, and that would be how you'd have to um, answer it, I think. Um, I mean, I know kids of divorced families sometimes have difficulty feeling that, um, you know, that that marriage is a a wonderful state in which to be. So I don't, I, you know, it probably does impact it, but I I don't really know what the numbers are on it. Um, And I think there are other things. I mean, you know, our kids have watched us struggle. And one of the things that they have seen also is the positive of the fact that you can struggle and, and still come back from it mm-hmm. and that, that love can triumph even uh, after difficult times. So, um, so you, you know, there are lessons to be learned in all sorts of different ways mm-hmm. in relationships for kids. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a powerful question, though. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's sad, actually, that, that she's in that situation. Yeah. Um, any advice on... 
uh, division of labor in the home, and we did talk about this earlier, mm-hmm. um, uh, there tends to be a tendency to fall into roles based on tradition and gender, and men and women live in homes. Uh, when the woman, is, the woman is diagnosed with ADHD, especially later in life, shame can be a tremendous um, thing that makes things worse. So her question mm-hmm. is, uh, do you have any tips um, on how to get the partner to engage in a conversation based on strengths and challenges rather than gender? Yes. So um, I think the place to start there is to start with the education about what it means to have ADHD in your relationship and Mm -hmm. what it means to be a person who has ADHD. Um, A lot of the misunderstandings um, go around. um, People expect a certain skill set from uh, from an adult that ADHD people sometimes, you know, like organization efficiency, point A to point B, doing what you say you're going to promise to do, all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Uh, and they don't understand how, how much energy it takes to get the mind organized. So that is all invisible to the non-ADHD mm. partner. All this work, there's a ton of work that goes on just to keep your mind organized that they don't see at all. So they think you're not working very hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that, you know, you're just waiting there to figure out what, what you're going to say or how you're going to put forward your ideas. And they think you're like not interested or you haven't heard them or whatever. Um, I run into a fair number of ADHD women who really struggle um, with this question because their partners think that they should be, they should fall into this role of mm. the perfect organizing mom who, who um, always uh, has everything ready at the right time for the, everybody in the family and who can coordinate everybody. And it's like a living hell for some people. Um, so I think you start out with getting a full understanding of what it means to have ADHD. And then you start the conversation from there which is, okay, now I have ADHD. You get a better insight into what that means for anybody, man or woman who has ADHD. Mm-hmm. Let's forget about my gender for a while. Let's talk about um, the things I'm comfortable doing or not comfortable doing and how we need to interact around this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, a, it's a great, great response. And I think that you uh, um, hit probably hit the nail right on the head for a lot of um, the listeners just about the whole idea of, of this expectation of being able to coordinate and get everything ready all at the same time. And it, it's, and I think especially the, the added component of the gender expectation. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's. Well, shame is a huge issue uh, for mm-hmm. both men and women who have ADHD because they're constantly feeling like they ought to be able to do more. You know, than they than they do. Even people that I see who do phenomenal amounts of work and effort and mm-hmm. really are you know top of their field or whatever, will still talk to me about saying, "Well, I can't tell you how much effort I put into getting those things done, and what a toll it takes on yeah. me." I always feel like I constantly am having to do all this effort. Um, and that it doesn't come easily. Um, and they're kind of ashamed of that, even though they're really excelling. You know, it's interesting. I don't know how often you, you, you see this. Um, I think, as you said, I'm probably not that special. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> incre- incredibly special average. Right. Um, <laughs> where it, what I find is that, um, you know, in the realm of, of shame, um, that, you know, my wife does not make me feel uh, any shame for, for the things that I do or don't do. Um, it's so much so that I end up feeling guilty about it when I'm not doing the things that I want to be doing. Do, do you see that? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I suspect that, that you, maybe you feel as if she should be making you feel bad mm. and she's not or I don't know. But 
you should be delighted that she's not um, that she's not adding to that uh, drum beat. That's great, and particularly if you have a youngster, because mm-hmm. that's when a lot of it happens. Is when uh, there are so many challenges when you have young children. Because I know for for me, one one of my biggest amounts uh, um, personal guilt or shame point is because I have difficulty transitioning. Mm. out of my office mm. um you know that I'm, i get home later than i want to and it's it's something that i've been working so hard on for so long and, and i keep making incremental small improvements but it's uh you know i i want to be present at, at home in the evening and um uh it's not where i want to be so it's i I, yeah. fe- I feel bad about that and then the fact that my wife doesn't really make me feel bad like i know she would like me home but she doesn't make me feel bad about it. it's well, so the alternative is that she makes you feel bad about it, and mm-hmm. the result of that would be that you wouldn't you would stop wanting to be home. Mm. So, so actually, she's got the right approach, uh, and so far, your desire to be home has not been diminished. So, I think what you need is an alarm clock that comes and slaps you in the face or something. You know, says, "Okay, it's time to leave." <laughs> have you have you seen the the Pavlock? No, it's no. it's a one of these. Uh, it's a, a wristband, like a, like a, um, one of these health monitoring bands, like mm-hmm. the Fitbit. Except it can, it will actually administer a small shock. Uh, they, <laughs> that it's it's as much voltage. They say it, that it feels about this uh, just below a, a bee sting. Oh, ow! Yeah, I, you yeah. know, and I've and I've thought I've been seriously thinking about getting this because it's like. It's one of those things where I know how badly I want to do it. I know that if I'm home earlier, I'm going to get to bed earlier. If I get to bed earlier, I'm going to do better the next day. It's so yeah. it's like not from not knowing, you know. Well, not only that, but you get to spend time with your family over yes. dinner, which is actually one of the really great things uh, if, in terms of your kids growing up. Mm-hmm. You know that you that you can do. Uh, but I will tell you that you seem to have a lot of motivation if you're willing to get a shock that feels like a bee sting to do it. So I think your wife's in good shape. So far, she's got the right tactic. And, and uh, you know, but I'm serious, actually. If she were cranking on you, I hear about this all the time because getting home late from work, trust me, this is a, you know, common issue. Um, and, and what I hear from the ADD partner is I really wanted to come home for a while, but now when I walk through the door, I get chewed out. And it feels mm. so bad that I actually go into this avoidance strategy and I, and I'm later and I'm later and I'm later. Mm. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's one little tiny example of the sort of parenting parent child thing where, you know, one person is mm-hmm. in control and saying, Hey, this is the time you must be home. Well, you yeah, know, who says that person's an adult? Come on. You know, they get to come home when they want to come home and you can converse it, but don't chew them out for it. Mm. Mm. No, thanks. I'll, I'll, I should, Tell my wife to listen to this episode then. To let her know, hey, so, someone <laughs> said you were right. Well. right. I think I think she she like I think after like episode fifteen or sixteen, she felt like she was too behind that she just kind of gave up on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one another question. Um, you, you have time for a couple more? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, what is your take on separate bedrooms for married couples with ADHD? Hmm. So, you know, that's a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, people say their partner snores or they have a CPAP machine or they, uh, you know, they're, they're up late or, you know, they wake me up when they come in or whatever, all these reasons. My personal take is that physical touch is a very important part of a relationship and that by going into separate bedrooms that that can be problematic. Now, I do know couples who are very happily in separate bedrooms. They mm-hmm. tend to be older couples. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so, you know, it, it certainly can work. And if that's what you want, as long as the rest of your relationship is in good shape, that's great. Mm -hmm. But if separate bedrooms is a way of avoiding dealing with emotional trauma between the two of you that, you know, for temporary purposes, I mean, I will, I will admit there have been, uh, there, there have been two times when I moved out of my own bedroom for a few days in order to be able to just get some space. So I have done that, but okay. it's, it's, it's sort of, uh, for me, it's a last resort. Because um, I just really think that there's an opportunity. Now, there are tons of bedtime issues for couples impacted by ADHD, because mm -hmm. lots of times the ADHD person is a late-to-bed person, mm -hmm. and the other wife or her husband who doesn't have it is exhausted and going to bed at a ridiculously early hour, and they don't meet very well. And I tell couples to, that that's a really, that's a missed opportunity. Um, and that if the late to bed person can come to bed and get ready for bed at the same time, and they can spend some time together, because it's typically a time in the household that's quiet and where they can talk a little bit, maybe not about the most awful issues, but, you know, in, about positive things, mm -hmm. be positive together. Then when the early to bed person is ready to turn out the lights, the other person has the choice of getting back up and going back out and doing something if they want to do that. And then they're all ready for bed. They can come in with their cell phone light or whatever it is, not wake up their partner when they come back in later. And, and But they don't miss that time for cuddling or intimacy or talking or even mm -hmm. just, you know, reading a book together and having that partner feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one of my suggestions for that. You know, my, uh, oh, in the last year, my, my wife and I went separate bedrooms. Um, yes. How parts, did that work for you? So I was totally resistant and hated the idea at first. Yeah. Um, and part of it, because we have a, a um, our son has some special needs and uh -huh. so he's a, he's like the, the, you know, you know, that book, like the best sleeper on the block or something like that. Um, probably say I don't name. know it, but that's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so my, my, that was not about my son. Um, cause our son was like the worst sleeper on the block. And, mm -hmm. and my wife was always someone that needed like at least eight hours of sleep to, to really yeah. be a functional human being. And yeah. So just this mismatch between what she needed for her sleep and, and our son, she was, I mean, she was going through every day as a zombie and, um, what it turned out was, so we first kind of tried it as an experiment. She was starting to get more sleep because she was very protective of my sleep because she also knew that if I wasn't sleeping, um, it, my, my brain is just, you know, it, it exacerbates my ADHD so much. Right. That, that being said, I didn't ask her to, to be protective of my sleep, but she wanted to be because you know, she stays at home. And so she knows that my brain is how, you know, we you know, keep the roof over my head. Over yeah. head. So yeah. at first I was like, eh, what does that mean? We're having separate bedrooms, you know, it's, and so I, you know, some time has passed and I actually really like it. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, I didn't really expect. Um, mm -hmm. but we still, you know, we, we have our time in the evening to, that we get to be with each other when, when I get home on time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been, you know, and, and I don't know if the, the conclusion has been reached yet. I mean, it's been, I don't know, maybe six months or a year, maybe since yeah. we've, we've been doing this. I mean, there's certainly many couples over the years who have done it. And it sounds like in your situation, uh, there's a very good reason to do it, mm -hmm. which is that it allows both of you to function at a high level, right? So so that's a very different kind of a problem than, hey, should you just sleep in different bedrooms? Mm -hmm. um, lots of times what I see is people sleeping in different bedrooms because they're angry at each uh, other. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's, that's not the right reason. Now, your reason sounds very positive, right? It's not mm -hmm. keeping you apart. It's actually making you better partners. Mm -hmm. And we like each other That's more when we're, when we're well-rested. 
Yes, exactly. So, so that sounds like a very good solution. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, that that would be fine. Okay. I mean, I'm not su- I'm not supposed to be judging one way or the other whether you're you know your your sleeping situation. If you want to like judge, that. it's okay. I'm, 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 no, no, <laughs> no. You know. Uh, so. Um. Okay. Let me. Uh, let's look to see if I can pick out maybe one more question here. Um. Here's a, a comment from one of my uh, members of my community. Um, it says, uh, Melissa Orlov is one of the main people who made me realize I can make my relationship work despite the difficulties. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that nice? That's great. Yeah. Uh, let's see if there is... Um... It's very nice to do what I do because there are so many couples who need this information and once they get it are just like, wow, my, my life is different now. This is great. I actually like my husband now or my wife or, you know, it's great. Very fulfilling. I, I, you know, I, I think that, that, you know, the, the work that, that a lot of us do, um, whether you're a coach, a consultant, a therapist, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I often say to my clients that I, I'm, I'm a, someone that kind of needs a lot of positive reinforcement. So mm-hmm. I like, I'm really dedicated to getting, you know, making sure my clients are doing well. And if I don't think that I can do it for them, I try to refer them, you know, somewhere <laughs> <Somebody> else because <laughs> I, I don't want you to keep coming back and I'm not seeing any positive change. I just don't, it doesn't bode well for me. <laughs> <laughs> Good that you know that about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, and, and it's, it's, especially when, I, when I'm talking to, to doctors too, it's, you know, I think we're, we all like to see that what we're doing is effective. And it's like ADHD is one of these disorders that, that it's so treatable with, with, with information. I mean, I mean, obviously information is not the only thing that, that makes it treatable, but it's such a helpful um, component of it. It's huge. And I think particularly for couples, um, just understanding what your partner's doing and that it's not as irrational as you thought it was um, in both directions, right? It's not just about the ADD person. It's about understanding how, why the non-ADD partner is responding the way they are responding mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and getting that back and forth empathy so that you can calm things down um, a little bit and start feeling like your partners. You know, it's not each person against each other. It's both partners together uh, trying to figure out how to manage the ADHD, your example with the separate bedrooms and protecting your sleep is a perfect example. The two of you are doing that together. And it's because she understands you. She gets you. It's great. So, all right. I have a, so yesterday was my wife and, and mine, our, our six-year wedding anniversary. Yay. And it's funny. So, so I was talking about this, this weird uh, feeling of, of she doesn't make me feel bad about stuff at all, which then makes me feel weird. I, yeah, I, Clearly, I have some issues to talk to my therapist about. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> Can I just say I agree with that? <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> appreciate what you've got, though. I mean, really, truly. <laughs> so, um, my my question is this: So, I, you know, it's one of the things that I would like to get better at is gift giving. Now, my my wife is one of, is such a pragmatic person. That like she really will say that you know she doesn't like want gifts. She she would like actually get upset at me if I spent money on a card. Like she's it's like just write it. Just to, you don't have to do it in a card. It's like it's you don't you don't need these like calendar events to to you know tell me that you love me. It's like it's the little day to day stuff which I which I love. You know it's like and then because it's like there's no obligation there. I want to then like give even more because of that. She's got you figured out. Oh, Can I she's- just- <laughs> 
<laughs> so I hope people are listening to this because <laughs> this is a really strong story for not trying to impose your will on your ADHD partner. I mean, seriously, you know, the, the wrong way is to say, okay, my life is out of control. I'm therefore going to impose my will on not only my life, but also on my ADHD partner. That's the wrong way to go about it. And this is a perfect example of why. <laughs> you know, so I've, I've talked to a f- some other people with, with ADHD um, and about this idea of like my brain just goes blank when I think about getting gifts for people. Like I want to give them this like, great gift that shows them how thoughtful I am. Do you have any strategies or tips like that? The, just for me personally. Yeah, yeah, I think you need a piece of paper. Seriously, you need to be writing stuff down. So it comes to you at times not when you're thinking about mm-hmm. when you want to get rid of it. I do have that, but it's yeah. still, it's, yeah. Well, I mean, so, I mean, you could break it down, I suppose. I don't know. I Nobody's ever asked me this question before, so I'm just sort of, you know, yeah. going on this. But, um, but you know, you can think about what are a couple of the things that, uh, that she loves and free associate. And maybe they're really goofy things that you free associate and just write them down on a piece of paper. And, um, and then when weird things, like if you notice, I, I was talking to Nancy Kohlenberger, who's the co-author of my second book. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that she mentioned in passing one day, uh, uh, I think it was a concert or something that she wanted to go to. And uh, her husband nabbed that little piece of information. I don't I mean, stored it somewhere. I don't know if it was in his brain or on a piece of paper or whatever. And then at Christmas, this concert ticket showed up. Um, she had no idea. She'd only mentioned it once mm. in passing, didn't ask him for it. So, I mean, there are ways to capture this stuff. I mean, my husband did this the other day. I bought a cutting board and uh, I was talking to him about why I bought it and, you know, all this little de- detail stuff, which after you've been married for 25 years, this is the kind of stuff you start talking about, right? Um, and uh, he happened to see them online and he bought me more, not because I'd asked for them or anything, but just because I'd happened to be talking about it enthusiastically, you know, so, so little, just noticing those kinds of things and sort of a mindfulness around what's exciting her mm-hmm. and then keeping track of it. The keeping track of it is probably the hard part. I, I did ask her this question yesterday and, uh, you know, and, and I, and I kind of, presented it as if not that I'm wanting you to give me any clues, but how would I go about thinking about this if this was something that I, that I, you know, wanted to get better at, not even for you, just in general. What did she say? She, well, she, she just said, well, just ask my, ask my mom, ask my sister. I said, there you go. Okay. That's helpful. That's that's a great idea. That's a great idea. So, um, I wanted to, before we get into the last part of the show, um, I wanted to, um, give you a chance. I know you have a, one of your courses that's coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? And I know that I, uh, that we kind of worked something out where as an exclusive to ADHD oh. or, uh, and, yes. and, 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 and I totally, so here it is. I totally forgot to get that code, but I'm going to, uh, I'll get it to you. <laughs> can, can we make Actually, it? I'll make it up right now. Okay. Let's do- I'll do rewired. So that'll be the code. And I'll just create that as soon as I get off the phone. Um, But uh, the, um, yeah, so my course is on recovering intimacy. It's a new course that I'm just starting. It starts May 5th and it is uh, four sessions. I give it by phone. So you call into a conference calling number and and then I I talk and answer questions and there will be exercises for couples to do between, hopefully they'll find out that they'll find them to be fun. Uh, in between the sessions. So this is a, it's meant to be a lighter course than mm-hmm. the other one, which is pretty intense, um, but, you know, gets people to change directions. 
And uh, there's a fifth session for those who want it, which has to do with recovering from affairs and deceptions. Mm. But um, but the main course is uh, is uh, these the three part thing that I was talking to you about with the the various intimacy things. So it should be. I'm really excited about it. I think the information is terrific. And so now you said. Um, um that you're going to give a discount that's only available to ADHD rewired listeners. That's exactly which right. Is awesome. Thank you. What what have we figured out what the discount's going to be? $25. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, Thank you so and, much. and the code will be rewired. That's Thank you what so that's much. the code will be. And uh, they're going to your website? Yes. So if you go to the homepage of my website which is at www.adhdmarriage.com um, that where the course is, it's very obvious. It's on the front page along with my books and there's a mm-hmm. blog there and there's a forum community and a bunch of other things. But, okay. And yeah. you know, I always remind my listeners, you don't need to remember any of those things. They always have the links in the show notes. So just, you know, go to ADHDrewired.com and you'll see all the links to everything that we talked about here. Also most podcast players, uh, when you subscribe to this podcast, you can push on the ADHD rewired, uh, logo and you'll see an abridged version of the show notes that will have all the links so you can access it right here right now at the point of performance so you don't have to remember to do it later so thank you for for uh giving that that discount to my listeners i appreciate that you're welcome and um the whole idea of adhd might be contagious we were kind of talking about that earlier <laughs> there, there might be this you know the, the social <laughs> contagion theory it, it has some merit you know it's <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, my, my, as I get older, I think it's really just a matter of age. <laughs> I have to say, uh, though the joke around here is in fact that I, uh, that it is contagious and I'm well on the way. So who knows? Maybe. <laughs> All right. So Melissa, now we're, we're coming to now the final part of the show, uh, which is what I call the random question around. This is the part of the show that has nothing to do with ADHD, which then paradoxically has everything to do with ADHD. Are you ready? I'm ready, totally. All right, my first question for you is, if you can um, create an invention or a way to improve upon a product, um, what would that invention be and why? Um, hmm. Okay, so I, my husband's teaching me how to run right now. He's decided this is a good project, and actually, I'm, I've decided it's a good project too. So I would, in, I would have an invention that somehow made your running shoes run for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I've only been out a few times, and I'm still in a lot of pain. <laughs> but it'll go away soon, I'm sure. <laughs> so would it be one of those like um, those like exercise machines that you would see in like 1950s shows that like wrap around your waist and make your whole body like shake? No, 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 no. I, you know, I love getting outside and, and being outside and we do a lot of bike riding together and stuff too. So, mm-hmm. uh, so there's a lot of sort of athletic stuff that we're, that we're doing together. No, I was just thinking about, you know, something like it, it has little, like uh, gas pumps or something that, you know, like boing up your foot, you know, so that it's just like much easier to run. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> little springs, kangaroo springs. <laughs> Where would where do you think would be the most romantic place to run? Oh, good lord! Uh, let's see. Well, so romantic and painful are probably hand in hand. <laughs> Some beach somewhere, you know, in like Bali or something would be really romantic because then you go back to your hut. You know, which is sitting out looking over the water and you've got some kind of endless pool as private. You can be completely naked and, and it's really warm out and, you know, it'd be really great. 
Uh, but running on a beach is a really painful experience. I know this from experience. So <laughs> anyway. So you're, you're running on this nude beach and you realize that there's... It was never named. And so you go to, you go seek counsel from the local government agency and you say, you know, we need to name this beach. And they, um, the, the, the leadership says to you, well, that's a good idea. What would you like to name it? Uh, well, let's see. If I were feeling particularly negative that day, I'd say love's a beach. And then if I, <laughs> if I were feeling really positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If I were feeling really positive, uh, you know, something, something along the lines, something to do with romance. I don't know. It's, you know, since, since, that we're, since we're on that topic today. I don't know. What would you name it? Ooh, I, I was, I, I was, it's only happened a few times and I'm always like, Oh no. Um, <laughs> what, what would I name it? So the, the nude beach and after me, um, um, this is going to get into your inner soul here. You mm-hmm. realize that you're going to show much more to your listeners than you've ever shown before. <laughs> now you're raising the bar on this, my answer. This is, <laughs> this is the problem with being in the world of, you know, love and sex and marriage and stuff is that you, you get into these traps sometimes. <laughs> okay. The nude beach that I am going to name. I, by the way, I didn't say it was a nude beach. I said it was a nude hotel room where I'm in my bungalow nude. I didn't, didn't want to be on the beach nude. Oh, I thought this was yeah. a nude beach. No, no, no. A, a uh, new, you know, a, nude beaches are where all the like eighty-five-year-olds who you know you just don't really want to look at are hanging out. <laughs> at least that's been my experience when I've been on nude beaches. So. Um. Sorry, no. I shouldn't say that for your eighty-five-year-old people. I'm not sure they know what a podcast is, and put, put, <laughs> but if there is one listener out there that is in a demographic, <laughs> good for you. Somebody. There's a person who's going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> no, good, good for you for being uh, ahead of the curve there. Um, the naming the the new... naming the beach, the romantic beach, which is a desolate, wonderful. It's blue Caribbean sky. Maybe it would be like uh, um, I don't know, you know love love hill or something like that i don't know love hill beach how's that love hill beach i don't know life's a beach works too (laughs) or love's a beach (laughs) i'm gonna move on because my brain just got yeah there you go it's not that easy a question that you you've sent this direction you know, but my, my brain is doing this extra step of monitoring all the other things that we're doing here. So it's, um, I'm sure as soon as we end this conversation, I'm going to be like, oh, I, was, I wish I would have said that. <laughs> That's always the way it is. <laughs> if you could have a meal with, with one person, alive or dead, who would it be? Um, well, actually, in my case, it'd probably be my husband. So that may or may not be that interesting an answer. <laughs> no, it's, that's awesome. Um, you know, there are an awful lot of really interesting people out there. But um, but the person I most like to be with actually is my husband. And, and secondarily, not secondarily, but also my children. But I know you said one person. so um, We could bend the rules a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I would like. I'm always happiest when the four of us are together chatting. We used to, when we kids were growing up, we had these wonderful conversations around science and exploring the world and what was out there. And it was so much fun. And now that they're older, we still see quite a bit of them, um, and uh, and we still have those conversations, and it's great. It's really fun. So that's that's great. I can tell you're a very pragmatic person. 
I am indeed. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, you know, there's, and by the way, I mean, there's so many interesting people out there. How would you ever pick just one? So I, so I go for the ones that are closest to my heart. Mm. That's, that's nice. That's nice. Let's, let's end it there. Melissa, will you just give uh, my listeners um, maybe a last parting piece of advice and um, just let people know where they can reach you? Well, I think the thing that I, the thought that I like to leave people with is that there's a lot of struggle when you don't know what's going on with ADHD in your relationship. And when you can find out about it, uh, it really, really can turn your life around. And so I strongly urge people to uh, look into it. And of course, I have a lot of resources at my website is one place to start. It's not the only place to go. Um, but you can go to um, www.adhdmarriage.com and find a lot of good resources there and join the conversation around these issues. And, and I hope to get to know some of your uh, listeners, if they decide to take some of my courses or something, so yeah, check out her uh, course that's starting on May fifth. May fifth, yep. the, the um, promo code which she's going to do after we hang up here is yes. rewired for twenty five dollars off. And uh, thank you for for giving that to my listeners. And uh, Melissa, thank you so much for being generous with your time. Oh, I'm so delighted to talk to you. All right, thank you so much. Well, that's all the time we have for today's show. All the links I'm about to tell you about are in the show notes, and most podcast players will show you my abridged version of those show notes. So with all that being said, I want to thank my sponsors, Zoom and Audible. Get a free Zoom room at erictivers.com slash Zoom so you can meet with 24 of your friends to talk about the free audiobook you just downloaded at erictivers.com slash Audible. You can also talk about the amazing podcast called ADHD Rewired and how amazing sounds like Amazon and that ADHDrewired.com has an Amazon search portal that goes to support the show. So when you think Amazon, think ADHDrewired.com. Amazon, ADHDrewired.com. Amazing. I don't think that actually worked as well I thought, as I thought it would. ADHD Rewired is on Facebook. You can find our fan page, but submit your request to join our free and growing community. And please check your other inbox because I screen everyone before they come in the group. Seriously, please check your other inbox. There's so many people who have not responded. Grr. Okay. Uh, ADHD Rewired coaching summer sessions are coming. Go to ADHD. No, take the back. Go to coachingrewired.com or schedule your free consultation to see if this group is right for you. That's coachingrewired.com. I want to thank all of you who left me reviews and ratings uh, last week in iTunes and Stitcher. I want to thank uh, Transporter and E who says, Eric is the man. I love the podcast. He sounds how I think. I also want to uh, read uh, one from Bass Boy Blair who says, ADD as I am. It's a fun and informative rabbit hole. 
He says, yes, sometimes the show goes down some major rabbit holes, and if you are ADD or ADHD, you know what I mean. Surprisingly, this was recommended by a non-ADHD friend who is an entrepreneur. His comment was, most entrepreneurs feel they have ADHD, so it's surprising to hear from others who, as I work for myself as a monsieur, did I say that right? Monsieur, 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 the person who gives massages, monsieur, and don't... Um, I'm going to have to stop that there. So he goes on to say, um, give it a listen, pause, listen, pause, then take notes. Go around the internet for a while, then go back to listen. Thanks, everyone, who left me recent reviews. Um, help me write my first book. Go to erictivers.com slash ebook and fill out a really quick survey. It will take you just a couple minutes. You'll be entered into a drawing to win the ADHD Rewired Mystery Box of Awesomeness. That's ericdivers.com slash ebook. Chad of Northern Illinois meets the third Monday of every month in Grays Lake, Illinois. So if you are in my neck of the woods, come and check us out. For more information, use the link in the show notes. If you're a member of Chad and want to share the best thing you've ever learned from a Chad meeting, contact me at eric at ericterrors.com because I want to know your story. Use the subject line Chad video. If you support science, education, and community please do so by making a donation to Chad. You can go to chad.org to learn more about Chad or go to erictivers.com slash Chad. Again, all the links are in the show notes. And as a reminder, outlines of each episode are available at ADHDrewired.com. If a book or other resource was mentioned during the interview from this episode, you will find them in the show notes at my website. Also, an abridged version of the show notes with links to resources mentioned are in your podcast player. Tap the ADHD Rewired logo on your podcast player for those links. I hope you guys are all having an amazing week. And until next week, take it easy and cross off one more item off your to-do list. Just make sure you do it first. Bye. Bye.